Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So one of the things that obviously we all are, are busy contending with now is the issue of death. And more and more, I think many of us are asking ourselves, you know, so is it time? Is it time to have that conversation with our family members around death? And I know a lot of people are doing that now because of where we are as at the moment. So the question then is, what kind of conversations will you be having with your family members around death? Where do you begin? What What is that conversation? What does it look like? Debbie James is um, a trained counsellor, a chapter leader as well at compassionatefriends.co.za. They really are a support group more than anything of people who've lost loved ones. And they do a lot of work around the issues of, of death, around death. Debbie James, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Yes, hello. Good afternoon, Camilla. How do you begin to address the issue of death? How do we start that conversation? Um, I think... Firstly, we have to remove the taboos around death. A lot of cultures worldwide um, find it very difficult to talk about death. And it's sad because death is like a normal part of of living. Um, So I think firstly, we have to remove the the thought that death is is scary and discuss what's going to happen. Especially now with uh, the pandemic, a lot of people are, are dying and we have to decide, you know, how do we how do we discuss what happens to our children, to our loved ones? If if everyone dies, what's going to happen to them? So those kind of discussions have to be discussed. You know, those kind of topics have to be discussed. Mm. De- Debbie, do you do you speak to everybody around death? Do you speak to even small children around death? Um, not really. Compassionate Friends is, an, is a peer support organization. So um, we're, we're an organization that uh, is, is based on people who have lost children and siblings and grandchildren. So it's other parents who have experienced the same sort of loss that help other parents. We found that with very small children, go to professionals. Ah, I see what you mean. Uh, so, so is I mean, in your experience, um, is the thing to do to always kind of have these conversations around death before the inevitable? Well, you can't always because I mean, you don't always know when somebody's going to die. Yes. So, so what I'm saying is, should it be? That's exactly what I mean when I say always. Should it be the kind of conversation that's kind of lurking around all the time? Is it? You know, do you just refer to death all the time? Is that how we remove the taboo? Um. Well, just to give you an example, my uh, baby died at a very young age, and then I had my children after. Mm. Um, he died, so they didn't know him. But okay. death's always been a topic of conversation in my house, A, because of the work I do. Okay. My children talk about it very openly about death, and death is not a subject that's taboo in our house. Mm-hmm. So when their friends have died or when people they know have died, it's not something we don't discuss. Mm-hmm. So they, and, and people I know, you know, they, my children are very open about coming and discussing how they feel about it and how how they're sad about it at the time. Mm. So I think if, if you talk about death, then the feelings associated with the mourning are more easily discussed. Mm. 
when you say you, you, you discuss death with your children, um, when sort of what kind of ages do you start introducing the concept of death to children? I don't think you should broach it as a subject like, oh, the eight now we should discuss death. <laughs> you know? But if you're in the garden and, and you find a dead bird, you can say, oh, look, Shane, the birds died. Uh-huh. You know, you don't just bury them. Or if their hamster dies, say, your hamster's died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then discuss that kind of thing. So but you, you don't, don't like, a, a, like uh, it's now the time to have the talk. Yes, that, so, but, that happen. but and and I get what you're saying. So you don't replace the hamster and pretend like they. Yeah, they no, have... don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but they need to know that it, it, it's like it's it's normal. It's and it is normal to die. We don't. None of us live forever. It's mm. normal to die. Mm, mm. And the the one thing all cultures celebrate, or not celebrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have rituals around burial and death that mm. are very different. Mm-hmm. But the grieving that we feel is the same. So it should be allowed, we should, you know, we should be allowed to feel those feelings. Mm. And no one can feel them if, if everybody's not allowed to talk about them. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about the work after, post the death. Um, you know, when, when, once it has happened and we are all experiencing it, whether it's in family units or communities, um, and, and how best to deal with that scenario? Okay, well, firstly, let me say that no two people alive have ever grieved the same way mm. because every single human being is unique. Mm-hmm. And every relationship that that person had with the person who died is unique mm. because they all saw that person differently. Mm-hmm. So firstly, there's that. So no two people grieve the same. Mm. And within families, that it's all different. So husband and wives don't grieve, grieve the same because mm-hmm. men and women tend to grieve differently. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the poor little siblings who are all grieving differently. So within the family dynamic, everybody's grieving differently. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing is communication. So the wife could be having a good day one day and the husband's having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And as long as everyone's communicating about what kind of day they're having and realizing with a great deal of respect that I'm allowed to do this in my own way, mm-hmm. it should be okay. And there is no right and wrong way to grieve. Mm-hmm. Let's take calls on 011-714-2006. If you don't mind, Debbie, I'll also open up the WhatsApp um, line on 0614-104-107. And we're talking about death, the discussion around death. I know right now many of us are afraid um, because of what we're seeing around us. And so I think many of us are, are thinking about those conversations that maybe we, we're not akin to having um, around death with our family members. And maybe we have already lost a loved one and how difficult that conversation is to have. So that's a conversation we're going to have. I'm also going to be speaking to Pastor Mandla Lupondwana, who's going to be joining this conversation after the headlines. It is the one thirty. Let me go to Nandika Bukas for the latest in headlines. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. We're discussing death and my conversation is happening with Debbie James, chapter leader. And uh, she is a chapter leader in Johannesburg and a trained um, counsellor at a peer support group um, of parents who have lost uh, children 
in the main, and it's called CompassionateFriends.co.za. That's their website, Compassionate Friends. Um, I'm also going to bring in Pastor Mandla Lupondwan, who's a speaker and a director at Together and Forever as well, talking about a very difficult subject and that of of death. I just want to read something. Thank you once again for, for both of you for staying with us. I just want to read a tweet that's just come through. And uh, this is Senna Mil uh, with a long number. Kovita is the name on Twitter. And uh, this person says, sadly, as healthcare workers, we have had to do this more often in recent days. It's been gut-wrenching to lose colleagues left, right and centre. We're living on borrowed time. Let me introduce to you, uh, Pastor Mandla Lupondwana. What do you say to someone like this? Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Tamil, and good afternoon to Debbie and to the listeners. Mm, um, <clears throat> sometimes when when someone talks about losing a colleague, it may sound like distant, mm-hmm. uh, like it's only a colleague. It's mm. only someone who probably works in another ward or hospital. Mm. But one of the things I think we need to understand as the people around the healthcare workers is that it adds up, it builds up. When you hear on social media so-and-so has died, you hear so-and-so has died on whatever group, social media group you are in, you just get saturated with the idea that people around me are dying, and it builds up. And, and therefore, even when someone is a colleague you are not close with or close to dies, it can just be that last straw that breaks the, the camel's back, and then you feel this terrible sorrow, this terrible grief. And so um, sometimes people could feel guilty that, they are experiencing such intense grief over someone they were not close to, uh, like just a colleague at work because they just worked together or they may have known, may have passed them in the past a few times. But it adds up. It adds up to the fact that um, we, 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 we are losing people all around us. So we're just in an atmosphere of grief. And we should allow people when the grief strikes to grieve the way they want to grieve and not have a sense can't be grieving over so and so. You are not even close. You can't be grieving over so and so. I mean, you don't even know them that well. So, to to that healthcare worker who who, who just uh, I think it, is it Kavita you said. Um, I would say Kavita. Al- yes. Yes. Allow yourself to grieve. It's it's we are in that space. And it does not make you less of a professional to be able to grieve the loss of a colleague, and to acknowledge that you are doing it a lot. You are surrounded by an atmosphere of grief is part of the therapy that comes with dealing with grief. Uh, it's nothing untoward. It's nothing wrong. There's nothing bad or weak about it. It's just that allow Please yourself wait. to grieve. Your call has been placed on hold. That's probably uh, Debbie's line there. Uh, we'll try and sort that out. So, so Pastor, it's, it's, it's that time where a lot of people are fearful. And, and what should be the conversation now? I think one of the opportunities that come with COVID is that we are hearing about people die all the time. Mm. And, and, it, and it allows us to have the conversation with our families. Sometimes we are afraid of the, having the conversation. In my culture, I'm supposed to speaking, there is a word, ukushola. Ukushola is when you talk about death, there's a sense that you are inviting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you talk about it, like yes. you like bringing it into the family, so yeah. someone is going to die. So yeah. we try and avoid it. Mm-hmm. But when somebody else has died and you're talking about how this has impacted their family, you can easily transition to what would happen? What would we do if death would strike the family? You're able to have the conversation. The kids would be like, no, hey, what would happen? And then you can talk about what would happen with the house and the car and the insurance and whatever. You can have the conversations. You can talk about what happens to the kids. 
if both parents die, where would they go? You can have it. And, and the way of getting into that conversation could be a news bulletin where you are listening to a news bulletin and they are saying so-and-so has died, so-and-so has passed away, and that could be your entry wedge. Sometimes we are not as prepared for life after death. Um, we are prepared more often than not for the funeral. We've got a lot of funeral policies. That means that we are prepared to bury the person. We're not always prepared to deal with the grief. We're not always prepared to deal with life after death. And this is an opportunity for us to do it. If you missed it yesterday, there'll be a news bulletin tonight that will talk about death, and that could be your entry wedge. Mm. Debbie, you, you spoke about the different ways in which people grieve. I want us to hone in a little bit on that family unit where we are grieving differently and particularly children, because often I don't think we, we, we hone in on how children grieve. No, children grieve very differently and according to their ages, they grieve differently. Like very young children, um, and, and I'm not an expert, so I'm going out on a limb here to even discuss this. Children at certain ages will grieve differently. Like very young children will... In the moment, miss the person who's died and have a complete meltdown, and then five minutes later they'll be playing, and you'll think they've forgotten about the person already. And then they'll get a bit older, and they'll like act out, and they'll be aggressive and not do well in school and whatever. And then, the, so it will depend on the age of the child how they grieve. But again, they always just need to be included, and they need to be asked how are you feeling, what's happening. And for very young children, we take we, we suggest they go and see a play therapist or a, a, a qualified therapist. Mm. You know, you're a part of this peer group. Um, I'm quite interested in knowing why was it important for you to be part of a community that's grieving? Um, well, I, um, me personally, mm. I lost a baby mm. many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. So... That's why I joined. But, I mean, it, it's, it's, you join because, I mean, you can go for, for therapy, but you're sitting across from a therapist who is giving you all the right theory about how to grieve, but they don't get it. Hmm. Whereas if you're talking to another parent who's lost a child, you, you get a sense of that they know what you're feeling. And that's why the peer support groups work, not just for people who have lost children. Mm-hmm. That's why places like Alcoholics Anonymous work and drug rehabilitation support groups work. And all those peer support groups work because the people you are sharing with have been in the place that you are and they understand where you're coming from. Hmm. Pastor Mandla Lepondon, what's the role of faith in, at this time? Uh, faith does two main things for us. Um, number one, it gives us hope. It gives us hope, uh, a sense of knowing that there's life beyond death uh, on two fronts. One, for the person who has died. Secondly, for the people who have remained behind. That it, this is not going to be the end of the world. It's not the end of life. That they'll be able to live beyond it and that and that God, whoever you conceive, conceive God to be, will be there to take care of you after this person is gone, especially in circumstances where you've lost a breadwinner in the family or you've lost someone who's very close. Um, so, so faith is able to, to give us that reassurance that 
there is a power far greater than you that will be able to comfort you and strengthen you and see you through the tragedy of, of, of the death that you're experiencing. That is the first thing. Secondly, uh, faith allows us to, 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 to anticipate the fact that people are going to die and be able to face it. As much as we are going to cry, we are going to grieve, but we face it with the sense that it, this too will pass. And so in moments of grief, um, with people who are of the same faith come, and especially I like what Debbie says, that it's good with people who, who have experienced something. Um, they, when they talk to you, you get a sense that they get it. And they don't even need professional words. They don't need expertise. You just need to know that they've been there, and then you understand. Uh, when you speak to them, you have a sense that they get it. Even if they don't say, I get it, you know they get it because they've been there. So when people of faith come together and some of us have gone through what you're going through, it provides comfort. They become living evidence that you can make it through this. Even if they don't say it, their very presence, uh, you knowing that they lost a child, they lost a parent, they lost a sibling, and here they are, that in and of itself says, I can make it through what I'm going through now. And and Debbie, maybe just to start wrapping up, um, at a time like this where there is so much anxiety around, what kind of conversations should we be having? I think grief in itself is very isolating. Mm. It it just does. It isolates you. And the pandemic has made it even more isolating because people cannot hold support groups and cannot do those kind of, of group meetings that we've been having. And I think... It makes it harder because the person has to reach out when they don't want to reach out. So I think what the conversations we should be having is, is people need to reach out. They need to say, um, I'm not coping. Please help me. And that's hard. We've, uh, on a, we've got a Facebook page. And within our Facebook page, we, we're setting up uh, support groups that are private. So people, because you don't want to put all your business online. So we're setting up private support groups on our Facebook page. Compassionate Friends is an international organization, but we also have coffee groups and chapters throughout South Africa. Um, So we're not just in Johannesburg, we're throughout South Africa. And we're, we're open to all parents and siblings and grandparents, and we don't charge for our services. So we rely on funding from corporates and our members. Um, and we're here. Pastor your, your the kind of sermon you would be privy to giving to a community at the moment as all of us are fearful, all of us are facing death as we are, what would that sound like? What would that be? You are not alone. I think um, what Debbie says that is an ice, grief is very isolating is true. You are not alone. Um, there are other people who are grieving. There, there are other people who are, who are exactly where you are. But even though other people may be going through it, we have we have a God that's able to carry you through it. Now, I, can I just touch on, on, on one thing that I'm hoping that um, we, we could probably help especially our children and siblings with as we go as we go through the grief. Sometimes when somebody dies you 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 had left things on a sour note you know you mm-hmm. may not have had time to patch things up or you had intended to do something for them 
and you didn't, and you delayed it. Or maybe they'd asked you to do something for them, and you delayed, and you dilly-dallied, and then they've now died. There are all kinds of reasons why we may feel guilty. Them. They asked you to come and see them, and you never rocked up. Yes, and now they've, now they've, now they've died, yeah. and you feel terrible guilt. You wish you had done it, You all of that. And, 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 and sometimes that, that grief can be very consuming. And I'd like to, to say uh, to anyone who may be going through it right now, that we, we don't know when people are going to die. We don't. And, and the fact that you may have delayed in doing that or coming to visit or whatever, it, is, it does not mean that you didn't care, you didn't love the other person. It simply means that you thought you had more time. And it's important that you forgive yourself for it. And those siblings and friends and people around you um, who know that so-and-so wanted you to go and visit, they wanted you to go and do this for them, please don't rub it into their face. Don't rub the salt into the wound. They already feel bad. You don't need to add to it by saying, you know, if you had come like he, had, he or she had asked you to come, uh, it, it, it just adds to the grief. It adds to, 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 to the pain of having lost somebody. So I'd, I'd like us to just help one another. Um, we, we, we don't have to be uh, rough with one another, especially when we're dealing with, with, with matters of grief. And let's allow people to grieve the way they would like to grieve. Just because you don't, you're not crying in front of me the way I would expect you to, does not mean I have to tell you oh, you seem to be fine. You, you, you didn't love her or didn't love him as much as I did. Sometimes those things are very hurting. And, 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 and even when we say it, we don't always say it from a bad space. We say it because I'm grieving, I'm crying, and I'm wondering why aren't you crying, and I'm hoping that you could cry the way I cry so we could be on the same boat. Just allow people to do it differently. Allow it to do it in their own way. Some people want to cry in private. They want to cry into a pillow. Allow them to do it. Uh, the fact that they've lost someone means they are grieving. They may just not be grieving the way you want them to. Thank you so much um, for your words of comfort and uh, for talking to us this afternoon, Pastor Mandla Lupondwana, as well as Debbie James, who is a chapter leader of a peer support group called Compassionate Friends. Pastor Lupondwana is um, a speaker and a director of Together and Forever. Good afternoon, Pimelo. I love your show as always. Uh, you know, death is uh, it's a very, very, very heartbreaking thing but it's obviously inevitable to to all of us you know at some point and when it comes it obviously you know shatters our lives because we are attached to one another as as human beings um i think we can only just uh, you know pin our hopes on the on the lord that uh, he is uh, deliver delivering us into a better places and greener pastures um when we depart uh, uh, the earth it's it's however hard uh, and hence we just have to try to be more warm warmth or more sincere and more accommodating to one another when we're going through uh you know things in life thank you